Well, it's a dynamic duo, we'll be back again. Nothing back with DJ, you better pack it in. You're lacking sense, trying to tangle with us. Scoop of a big black booty's in the back of the bus, just smacking you up. And stealing your lunch, ready to search you. Ready to feel like just a touch. Only by the end of the day, that's understandable. What can I say? You got strong man to be. Mind, mind, Shall we get the painful bit out of the way first? What, that wasn't it? <laughs> no, that let's, was... Let's pour a bit out for the 64-win oh. Phoenix Suns, because that sucked. I didn't enjoy watching that. I don't think anybody enjoyed watching that, except for the people who really don't like Chris Paul. Um, and even as a person who doesn't like Chris Paul, I couldn't enjoy that. That was that was not pleasant at all. Well, and the weird thing is, Suns' disease has now infected the rest of the NBA. So instead of getting any close games, we get blowouts. I'll tell you what, no, it's, not, it's been for a while because the closeout games in all of the other series, apart from the closest game was the Sixers Heat game. And that was like nine points. And it never looked, it, nine points was closer than it actually was for most of the game. These games suck. They're fucking terrible. They're just, it's just, the one team forgets how to shoot threes and they get blown out by 30 points. This is not fun. And I know the yeah. the National Hockey League isn't any kind of competitor in any kind of rational world, but in the States it actually is. And their playoffs have been fucking sick. At the same time that um, the Dubs were beating the piss out of the Mavs, there was a, a game that ended 9-6 between Calgary and Edmonton. And Edmonton has one of the best players in the in the NHL. And that was genuinely riveting and really awesome to watch. And I can't say that about a lot of NBA playoff games that I've seen in the last two weeks. But the, but the stupid thing was, is the first round was so enjoyable. It yeah, was so it much- was. And now it's just... You know, one team forgets how to shoot yeah. or, or isn't, so, isn't unable to shoot and, and the gap is set up. By the second quarter, you know the which, which way it's going. And that's been the case with, with so many games. I don't want to give Kerr and his staff too many props because the way all of these games have gone, that Dallas will come out and win by 20 in the next game. But the, the difference between – like, okay, there's the elephant in the room is – there's something fucking really weird about that Suns, the way the Suns went out. But yeah, they and the, had- th- the thing is, you predicted it last week. You said, look, I reckon there's something in the air. Just the way they'd lost the game before, you said that they look, they didn't look right. And you wouldn't be surprised if there's if there's some kind of great, you know, there's a shooter drop, there's some Sava story, or there's just everyone's carrying some kind of injury. It checks out, man. Well, there, there's there's a story kicking around that the team was very unhappy that Aiton, like in the finals, instead of going back to the hotel and sleeping, was Gaming. up for eight, ten hours in a row later playing Call of Fucking Duty. That doesn't make you lose by 35, though. And neither does Chris Paul nursing a, a, a sore quad. I mean, he's nursed a sore quad his entire fucking I know. Life. It's, it's just- he's, he's 49 years old. Well, Devin Booker in the in game seven put up Ben Simmons sort of numbers. Like Devin, Give him that Ben Simmons slander, as uh, as Pat Beverly would have said. Like I seriously think there's 
there's something that will come out because there's got to be something, doesn't it? It doesn't make any fucking sense, even by the standards of the ridiculous blowouts we've been seeing. That was that was over and above. That was ludicrous. But even if you watch there, if you watch the series between the Dubs and the Suns this year, right, where after the first game, both sides made adjustments and the second game was slightly... Like, it, it, they just didn't seem... From game two, where they had a really good idea of how to make Donkic work, and then it, they just, just seemed to lose... Like, it almost looked like... Game three looked like they lost interest. Game three looked like that one o'clock LA Sunday afternoon game. It's yeah, it looked like weird. that. It was it was a you know South Beach is undefeated kind of game, and that's yeah. not to discredit Luca because Luca has been astonishing, certainly in the um, the semi final. We'll get to see whether he can turn it on against the Dubs or not. But he he was a single like a one man wrecking ball in that, particularly in the game seven. Well, so there's okay. There's there's two sort of streams here. One is the deeply superstitious sportsman part of me goes, "This is fucking karma. We should have picked Donkic in the moment. I said it in the moment. I said that that was a bad pick. I said that that was Sarva's fucking folly, and the way he runs the team would come back and bite us on the ass. And Just it came one back thought a bit there, of- though. Just. Mm. If you notice how everybody is saying, oh, you know, the obvious pick was Donkic, the obvious pick was Donkic, nobody was saying that at the time. You and I were saying that. We're like, why is anybody looking at this fucking EuroLeague (laughs) champion, this brilliant basketball player? Everyone was saying, nah, you know, we want the fucking shiny college player. Nobody was saying Donkic was the fucking, maybe some of the the draft, the, the kind of scouting nerds, but that just wasn't a fucking, this is such... Bullshit! It's not. It's not actually what the discussion was in in uh, when the when they were being drafted. Except that the Suns had the one guy who would have been saying that. The yes. one guy they in had him in the room. Yes, and he he they was literally like, hired the guy who was Luca's fucking Slovenian head coach when they won EuroBasket. And then they took Aiton, and then they fired old mate Igor, and then Igor ends up on the Mavs, and he is like, pouring fuel on this fucking tire fire. Like, like Monty might be a better coach than him, but to have the guy that could literally tell you this guy is a killer, he just won Euro League against fucking NBA players. Yeah, but and- but there's a guy from the, the uni I used to go to, and, he, and, and he's <laughs> like, tall. This is- no, Bezo, a- seriously, he's tall. He games well, a lot, but he's tall. It's important. I, I don't think you um, understand. Basketball's won by people who are tall. So, so Hollinger <sighs> has Hollinger has Holmgren as the number four pick in his draft, right in his big board. And his oh, theory enjoy was enjoy Sacramento, bro. <laughs> yeah, well, but his theory is exactly the same reason. One of the reasons I hated the Aiton pick at the time was you do not give. The top one of the top three picks to a center. Centers are just unless they are absolutely insane, like Jokic or Embiid. You, you. But, but is that not the bet? Yeah, but I, if they're getting picked at the top of the draft, the, the pick is these guys will be the Embiid. If you have an Embiid or a Jokic, you will win a fucking chip. So yeah, it, it is. It is a huge. It is a massive high risk bet. But if it comes off, you're a champion. But I don't think anyone was projecting like. 
Aiden wasn't even on the on the Carl Anthony Towns track. He wasn't on the he wasn't on the Anthony Davis. Oh no, no, Aiden was in a, isn't a defensible pick, but it's entirely no. possible that. One, and I have paid absolutely no attention to the draft chat about this because I'll, I'll pay attention when they're halfway through their rookie season and we can see whether they play basketball or not because it was clear that all of the nonsense chatted about all these rooks bore absolutely no resemblance to their ability to play basketball once we actually saw them in the league. It'll be really interesting to see who Presty picks because the, out of the top three, two of them, right, have the reputation for being, um, uh, how, how can you put it? This is shit or get off the pot territory for Presty, isn't it? This is the point uh, at which I, at which the OKC tank job has to turn into a this is where we get good. You've got the number two pick in a decent yeah. draft with some good quality players. They might be more yeah. interested in the next draft. But now is the time that you need to start building a fucking team. You've got SGA, yeah. you've got Josh Giddy. It is time to fucking go. And, and can the he thing do it? Is, right? I think I think he can. And the thing is Let's find out, can- eh? He can actually go, like if he gets if he gets one of the two guys that I think are uh, like fit in with the uh, the work ethic and the and the let's get down and dirty aspect of um of that OKC side because they've got Dort like Giddy's an underrated. They've got Dort is basically if you could put that in Latin that should be like the motto of the team. Put it under the crest. We've got but, Dort. Dort so, so what- animus. So what Presty actually needs Defenses. to do is use some of that draft capital, that future draft capital, to go out and get Denver's vers- version of Paul Millsap. You know, if they go out and get a Collison or a Millsap or, you know, that savvy veteran that can still start and, and Tobias Harris, that. Tobias, yeah, Tobias Harris might be the dude. Like He's the, getting a lot of slander the, right now. It the, might be time to go somewhere he, else. But he pl- he played awesome for for Philly. Like he was probably one of the few players that came out of that Philly series a little bit enhanced. He he'd be perfect because he's under no pretenses for being the number one player in that side. He'll be the number four player in that side. Yeah. Now th- they can they can burn the money on him because all their good players are mostly on rookie. They cost contract. like two bucks fifty a pizza coupon. The the other the other thing that I'm really hoping is that uh, the other Aussie guy. Um, lands at OKC with with pick twelve. Um, oh, what's his Dyson Daniels, the guy from the G League, uh, because that that would be awesome. Now maybe they could trade for Simmons, and we could have a mini Aussie side in the. In I the don't NBA. really want to see all of the Australian talent concentrated in a team with a stupid jersey that shouldn't exist. <laughs> That's right. We if we don't we don't really like the strip. No, that's owned by fucking oil barons, one of whom necked himself rather than face up to a whole bunch of uh, securities fraud that he was up to, allegedly. So I was thinking about both our teams or both our nominal teams this year and, and wondering whether there was a What are we a calling fan? my team at this at this moment? Well, I mean, at I- this, well, at the, you did declare pretty early on that Golden State was your team this year. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm off I'm off the um, I'm off the, the Portlands. Although I do have to the Portland bus has continued to be sitting on the side of the road with the wheels off. I mean, they they literally made they they sat Dame Lillard and tanked the entire season. Then they made Dame Lillard turn up for the draft lottery. And they fell in the draft lottery. They they yeah. should have been. They should have got sixth. They ended up seventh. Yeah, he was texting his agent as that happened. Yeah. Um, yeah well, well, the thing is, he was too busy, you know, flaming Patrick Beverly on the, on the internet. But um, yeah, never tank. 
it's it's you know tanking is bad karma to, to go back to your point from the start. So I was wondering whether whether you could have like a, a fan clause that you can desert your team if your owner is just this reprehensible piece of shit. You know, call it the Donald Sterling Cleeds. Did I not just do that this year? And well, that's the thing, right? I'm looking at the Look- Suns going, like Sava is just always going to be this massive handicap on our side. It doesn't matter yeah. how good the coach is, how good the front office is. He's just sitting there like this malignant fucking leech, you know, biting into your calf muscle as you wander through the fucking river. Seriously, Uh, there is no – you don't live in Phoenix. You don't have any fucking loyalty to these people. You watch basketball for entertainment. Mm. There is absolutely no reason why you need to to live and die with these pricks. That whole kind of, you know, I've got my team and I live and die with them. That's great if you fucking live there and they literally are your local team. That's not the case for people. I mean, we're casuals, but Mm. we have to be because it's not like we can turn up for fucking Knicks home games or whatever else. It's, you know, pick pick teams on the basis of whether they bring you fucking joy. Marie Kondo the shit out of that. Well, I was thinking, right, I'll, you know, I like Jokic and and, Jok- and Denver have I mean, some cool... you've been a Denver fan all season. I've seen the tweets that you've yeah. chucked out for the podcast. Yes, that's right. You I've been were, a massive Jokic You were Benzer. like a one-man troll operation defending <laughs> Jokic's honour <laughs> in the MVP discussion. But the, but they've got reprehensible owners too. Oh, you know, the cron- not, I mean, the Cronkies are just useless. Yeah. I mean, the problem with the Cronkies isn't that they're terrible. It's just that they're fuck, fucking useless. And they only care about the big shiny, and the big shiny is the LA Lam- the, the the LA Lambs. Yes, the Lambs. Yeah, Sorry, the, the Rams. Lambs. <laughs> I mean, they're all sh- oh, fucking sheep. What do you want? Yeah. Um, um, but they care about the Rams and, and the massive operation there. Um, they care less about Arsenal. They certainly care less and less about the Nuggets. And I think they have an MLS team that they could not give two fucks about, but. So we're seeing in real time a couple of the instances that we talked about a couple of weeks ago where we said it's not just your roster that can get expensive and get, you know, you start losing talent because you have to pay them. Yeah, that's not just going to get cherry-picked. When when you're a team that's risen up from a a lower level to a higher level, it's not just your roster that they start picking apart. It's your backroom staff. It's your your coaches. It's your... Um, assistant GMs, it's people like that, and very much so. That's been that's been happening to a couple of uh, of, of upstart teams. So Denver in two years have lost both their associate head coaches, have lost their assistant GM, and it looks like they're going to lose their GM. Yeah, Minnesota. Uh, like now that they're cashed up with the um, yeah. Alex Rodriguez and his, which is which is big, really big fucking smart partner. by them. It's like let's go and get a competent GM. Let's yep. go and get someone that can pick Bones Highland out of the draft and and Bones Highland <laughs> second team uh, second team all rookie yeah Bones Highland yeah along with Josh Giddy um, even though he won like four Player of the Month Western Conference Rookie Awards and yeah I've, none I've, of the I've rest of the fucking bit. club won shit. I've seen a bit of shade like that, but he played like fifty games. He missed a fair chunk at the end of the season. Yeah, but rookies don't don't play that many games. Like, yeah, and, and I mean, the reason and, Michael Carter Williams got rookie of the year was just that he turned up. He was starting in every game because it was the shit fucking process sixes. And Josh Josh Green on the is it Josh Green the the Green on Houston was like Josh Green's the one is the Aussie on um, on Mavs isn't he? Oh, on the Mavs. 
What's Jalen Green's what's the, the, green on, the one? Jalen Green. Jalen yeah. Green's the one on the rocks. Uh, like he was reprehensibly bad for more games than Giddy missed. Yeah, you know? but but rookie of the year is the consistency award. It's a it's no. a ceiling award. Yeah, and that's why Giddy didn't didn't shine in that because Giddy Giddy was almost a you know he was a starting level NBA player, and that's mm. not really what rookie of the year is for. It's for maybe this kid could be a superstar, and Giddy. Yeah, he will be an ex- you know extremely dependable basketball player in the NBA for a very long time to come. Well, but he's think, probably think, not going to have his own shoe. I think Giddy suffers a little bit from Euro, Euro disease too. He though, might have his own jandal because, or thong, depending on which side of the ditch you're from. But both Jokic and Donkic are like. Uh, Do you think he needs, he needs to change his, his name to Giddich? Giddich, yeah. But they, but both of those guys it's have- It's hanging around with two large men who he claims are his brothers, riding horses to um, practice. Still have a degree of scepticism amongst American NBA fans. It's it's almost like I, I like my brain cannot process that a pasty white guy can be this good. I and think Jokic and, and Donkic will like fix that. I think Jokic and, and, and Donkic, yeah. even, uh, Charlie Yankos, Jokic and Donkic will fix that, but- the the white Australian, I would have thought fucking Joe Inglis would have taught these people, but apparently not. These devils are not going to learn from the fact that that you know a, a pasty fucking white dude from the bottom half of Australia can rock up and just pull shit and shoot shit and talk shit, and and that's how that rolls. The the, the other problem is he looks like he should be in college basketball, but not on the court. He looks like he's like, you know, the the kid in the front row drinking six beers and and yelling at the real players. He, like, should, he looks like he, he should be the lead singer for the band that plays at halftime. <laughs> um there's a there's a thing with him and Andrew Gaze going like an interview going around on YouTube. Oh yeah, they did like a sports center focus on Josh Giddy, which was really just you know, at some point he was home and they had a chat to him. Yeah, well, and like Gaze has known him since he was six, you know. Yes. <laughs> so it was just them. and But it's just, it's really funny watching someone that actually knows how good he is and talking to him about, and, and you know, Gaze has obviously played in the NBA and understands the, the rhythms and the, and the um, it's like David, David Robinson had the three top rookies and uh, they're sort of like, you know, Doing the media thing and saying, you know, what, what, what wisdom do you have in part to the rookies? And he just deadpan looked at them, and going, "Just get ready for working harder than you've ever fucking worked in your life." Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, well, we're sort of after, you know, some some better sound bites, not some actual yeah, well, shit that well, they need well, to I learn. Mean for some for some fucking inspirational fucking memes, but no, what you've said is, uh, playtime's over, bitches, and that's yeah, that's also pretty valid. much, pretty much. Uh, which is all, which is pretty much what happens when you leave university and go into the workforce. It, it is pretty much playtimes over bitches. I, I, I can't. Which remember is why which, I've never left university. Which NBA player it was, but um, uh, uh, the, the, there's a story I can't even remember where I heard it. But this this rookie went to his vet and said, um, "When do we get our Christmas break?" And the oh, vet just looked at him and gone. Please, oh, this mate. is the second time you've told this story at least. I know, this but year. it's. It's just it's just a perfect illustration of the difference between college basketball and and the NBA. Like the moving from yeah, but they get it. They get a fucking all star break where they can all fuck off to Cancun or the Bahamas. Yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not like they don't get a break. It's just not then. 
It's just not at Christmas. Yeah, it's yeah. not. You don't get that family. You don't get that family time. So. Yeah, but you get you get the fucking get two hundred fucking tickets to bring your family <laughs> to the game you're playing on Christmas Day. So you know so, it's not. You'll be okay. Oh yes, definitely. We'll all survive. Uh Celtics champions. Totally felt like it today. I mean, the Celtics figured out figured out Miami. They they won three out of four quarters against Miami in the first game, and they dusted them today. I, I really the Celtics are going to breeze through, and um, I think they're better than either of the other two teams in the West. And I know that that gives you a huge amount of joy, given that you are a massive Celtics fan. <laughs> and how excited you were to pick them in your wins pool and how they uh, won you some undefined alcoholic product which we are yet to actually procure. The the thing with the Celtics is do you, if you could divorce this the Celtics team like if you could if you could wipe the players, Boston off them. Yeah, if you if they were playing in some nondescript jersey and it was just yeah. Jason Tatum and uh If they were the OKC Celtics Sure. Some generic Midwest city, and they had this this former Spurs assistant uh, head coach and this this young ex college coach GM, and they had all these young players who'd tried hard and done fantastically well and, and figured it all yeah. out, and were you know playing basketball the right way and all that kind of shit, um, and and not a not a pasty white face amongst them, apart from Peyton Pritchard. They are the least Boston team ever to play for Boston. I know they're they're actually like a really admirable. But they play for Boston, so fuck them. I hope they catch fire. It's really hard, isn't it? H- however, if you look at Miami's starting five, and they're starting two guys that, like, if you'd said to me at the start of the season their names, I would have had no idea. Yeah. Gabe Struess uh, and Max Vincent yeah. and some other yeah. dude. So I yeah. guess it depends whether Kyle Lowry can come back in any sort of shape for Miami to have a hope. Well, the problem is that like 70% of Kyle Lowry isn't better than 100% of Gabe Vincent. Yeah. But that's the problem. Once a team gets behind, they just the gap just gets bigger and bigger. And that's why, you know, I don't want to go all fucking – I don't want to go mega Barkley on this, but the way basketball is played right now, if it's not close, it sucks. It's really not fun to watch. The, the interesting thing will be to see whether Golden State's um, defense holds up because what they did was really interesting in that they didn't have a scheme. They had five schemes, and they they clearly knew that Luca. if you gave Luca the same look every time, the the dude would work it out and start picking your part. So which is, a, which is massive respect to Luca, really, isn't it? Yeah, so that that they're like, well, we'll throw you this look this time and this look next, next. and you know the reason they can do that is because they have Draymond at the back quarterbacking it, going, yeah. you know, you go, you hear, you, shouting out ama- assignments, going X Y Z, do this, do this. Yeah, there's that amazing one where he hedges on a hedges on a screen and then just runs out into the corner and blocks the three point shot, and you if you freeze it when. Like when they start to throw the pass, he just like the guy is completely fucking open. It just looks like it's an easy three, and the fact that he gets there and gets his fingertip on the ball is just amazing. Um, this dub side has the occasionally, if you squint, looks like that. I mean, it doesn't look like a seventy-three win team because that was a that was a different species. But it yeah. really, it, it almost looks like peak dubs. It's a little bit like um, a late career album from a really great band. And it's yeah. like, if you squint, it's almost like like they were when they were great. 
even though everybody's like five years older and a little bit slower and has a little bit more trouble getting out of bed in the morning. The, the other funny thing, though, is they're, uh, the, Dallas are attacking the dubs like they are that 72-win side. Like, you really should be attacking Clay because he just doesn't have the lateral movement and that and that burst yeah. at the moment. But they're attacking Steph, and Steph's probably their best guard defender this year. Like, yeah. he's a better de- defender. Well, and with Gary Payton out, for sure. He, he is undoubtedly – I was thinking about this the other day. I think Steph is the fittest player in the NBA. Like, that dude runs more in attack than any other player. Like, he's just constantly fucking moving. And he plays the same way in defense. Like, they play that uh, that thing where he he sort of uh, comes up comes up on the switch and then pre-switches the switch and then run you know runs back out so that they can't switch on to him and and like that's a lot of energy every fucking game and the dude just keeps on going and keeps he's on going. He's 32 years old. Yeah. He's so you know he's doing well. He's doing well. He's he's on, he's on that LeBron spend all the money on yourself kind of shit. Hey, do we owe Jason Kidd an apology? Yeah, it was, well, that was the because we, the- we were not positive about him being a coach again, and uh, he clearly that was the title of of this episode. Is he clearly had the fucking the pad and pen out when he was on every one of the stops that he's been on since then, because he's not a bad coach anymore. It's the anti Tibbs, isn't it? Like he went, yeah, he, you know, he he t- he went and he learned. Was, he was humbled by you know missing out on. Being able to coach Giannis for for ten years and and having the Duncan Pop relationship, yeah, sucked it up. Went and learned off like he obviously learned off Vogel because Vogel's a deep, you know a defensive yeah. genius. I think Vogel will remain underrated for the rest of his days because you know that LeBron AD championship was as yeah. much to do with Vogel as it was to do with anybody else. But he'll never get the credit for that, which is a bit of a shame. It's a bit like Ty Lue. It's only been years after that Ty Lue's got the credit for that um, that Cavs title that you know LeBron, Kyrie, and Kevin Love are credited for. Well, well Kyrie hasn't played a full decent season since. So. No, that's true. That's absolutely true. He's gone – as soon as Kyrie got his freedom, he just is just flounced around doing dumb shit. And I we'll did probably continue to. I did like the Nets giving him a bit more of a smackdown, where it's like, oh. sure, Marks has got put his big boy pants and said, you know, fucking, you know, we'd like you to turn up, cunt. And I think that's probably fair enough. Well, and the funny thing is that, that KD's tweets are always a little bit obtuse, but he kind of seemed to be on the same page as the uh, as, as management on that one. So that, yeah, I was going to say that that, that smacks to me of of. Sure, Marks and KD sat down for a beer and said, "What? Are, what the fuck are we going to do about Kyrie?" Yeah. And KD went, "Mate, you go as hard as you like." With KD, it might not have been a beer. It might have been a bit of a. <sighs> but but you know, Sean Marks is from New Zealand. He knows how that rolls. Bit of that fucking Tapuki thunder. But then, like you know, because fucking Kyrie was talking about the fact that you know he and and KD and. Joe Sy and Sean Marks were going to sit down and, and talk about it. And like, well, you know, yeah. you're not in the leadership group, mate, if you don't turn up to the meetings. Yeah. I've been in some teams like that where you've got, Ooh. like, you know, a, a leadership group of the coach and the assistant coach and, and the captain and one other player. And it's like the sixth player down the thing, you know, tries to dominate the first 45 seconds of the halftime chat. And it's like, dude, yeah. just... Chill the fuck out. Yeah, I appreciate your energy, but your input is not necessary. Uh, that could have been useful in the previous fucking 20 minutes of play, bro. 
Look, what, what my big picture analysis of the NBA Finals is what the fuck does it matter what we say today because tomorrow it's probably going to be wrong. My big picture analysis is watch the NHL. I can't believe I'm saying that, but I had more joy watching the NHL than I did watching the fucking basketball. And I've, re- I've really had high hopes for this because it's like I'm, I've got, you know, a general, a genuine, um, you know, a neutral interest in this, you know. I mean, obviously I want to see the Dubs win, but a Luca-led Mavs team, if they beat the Dubs, that'd be fucking awesome. And as we've said about the Celtics, the only bad thing about them is that they're the fucking Boston Celtics. Celtics Everything else about Celtics. them is awesome. But, you know, and the Heat, uh, I, the, if I do have a team in the East, it's the Heat. I really like the Heat. I've always liked the Heat. I'm, you know, back to the, the fucking Shaq, Dwayne Wade days. They almost are like a um, Eastern Conference Spurs. There's a whole lot of, you know, self-built mythology about their culture and all that sort of stuff, which is punishing, but it's real. Um, but, you know, it's not much fun when the games are all decided by 30 points. Let's hope that it comes around. Let's hope that we get some close yeah, games. Yeah, we'll, we'd like to see some more, more close games. We should we should so, probably tick over to some other. Uh, anything else you want to say about the National Basketball Association? No, I was hoping we could finish the pod by talking about Roy a little bit. Yeah, I, I do want to talk. I do want to talk about um, Andrew Simons because um, Andrew Simons died this week, and um, Andrew Simons shouldn't die because he's he was the kind of guy who was. Bigger than life. He played cricket like it was a, I don't know, almost with that, that you know, the way that we would, that Keith Miller was described to us. That kind of ludicrous, you know, superhero bullshit kind of swashbuckling, go out there and just do dumb shit. And he, and he came to the game with that kind of reputation. You know, he was always talked about in hushed terms as this amazing prospect that was coming out of Queensland that the, 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 the English wanted to get hold of because his parents were English before they moved. And he was, you know, a, Essentially, a West Indian kid who had been adopted by English English parents and moved to Queensland, and um, I always feel like Roy was awesome, but he all the awesome he did, he, he never, he still never quite captured, he never quite delivered on the promise that he could that, of the awesome that, that could have been. His test, his test debut came so late, uh, and it took, and he was you know on the cusp of getting dropped before he scored hundred and fifty in a day against England. Then went out and got massively pissed and got out second ball the next morning. But that was Roy. I, I think he's he's in that line of players that I just I just always um, uh, like gravitate it, it, towards. Uh, uh, yeah, I've always gravitated towards this player that I always wanted to see get a decent run in the test side. So, yeah. you know, Matthew well, Glenn Maxwell's your guy right now, yeah. Yeah, Glenn Maxwell. He had a really good like night a, overnight in the um in the, the stupid Indian league. Uh, uh Maxwell uh Simons, Jones. Hayden Hayden was that guy for ages until he got his second chance, you know. Yeah. I just remember going, when are they going to give this dude a go? And and I think because Hayden had that success and Simons had that success sort of late, it's just mm. like it, it it it's always felt like a failure of coaching and system to me. And Kimber did yeah. a really good p- piece on Simons this week about talking about how the the coaching staff of the Australian setup were always trying to change him back into yeah. what they thought he should be. And now with T20 Cricket... They're trying to turn him into Mark Taylor. Yeah, and, and now with T20 Cricket, that that absolutely would not happen. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He, he that, was that, 10 years... I mean, um, so, uh, the, the bit that you're talking about was Kimber 
uh, Kit wrote a piece, and I think he also did a podcast. It was basically Andrew Simons was from the future. If Andrew Simons' career happened 10 years later, certainly yeah. 20 years later, but 10 years later, he would have been, um, you know, a $5 million a year player in the IBL because he just would have yeah. been. He's, he, he just—he was exactly the kind of cricketer that you wanted for that kind of code. He—he he might have ended up being Virat Kohli, like you know. Kohli I don't think he could so have controlled dom- his facial hair well enough, and I don't <laughs> think he could have convincingly tried to sell shitty tires. Um, but yeah, he—he he would have been a superstar. Yeah, he would have um, been like the Viv Richards of IPL. Because the thing about, I mean, Viv, World Series cricket in the early 80s was what had the same kind of step change in profile yeah. of, of cricket. And Viv Richards was kind of that, the superstar that wasn't necessarily, you'd cheer for even though he wasn't playing on your team sort of thing. And Andrew Simons could have been that guy in the way that, you know, a Kyron Pollard or, a, as you say, Virat, although Virat is very much tied to his own, his own nations, but one of those ringers that you really want to have on on the franchise that you're backing or betting for or whatever it is that people yeah. watch IPL for. Yeah, that's a, it's a funny thing. I like I've got into a lot of overseas leagues, but I just cannot manage to get my head into the IPL. Is it because there's too much like player transition? It's a bit hard to kind of grasp. I, th- I think I think that is, yeah. I I just end up whenever I'm, if I happen to trip over an IPL game, it's generally, you know, which team has the most Australians or New Zealanders on it? Yeah, it's very transient, and it's it is pretty much like uh, BBL was introduced to us back in you know back when it was on Channel Ten when it was popular. It is literally when, just you're not watching the whole game; them. you're just you're just engaged in single contests between bat, batsman and bowler. Yeah, back back when they knew what they were fucking doing. Yeah, before they decided um, to take a whole bunch of money to make the thing less accessible. Anyway, it's it's a, it's an absolute crying shame because the, the other thing was. Like he, it was interesting watching him commentate on T Twenty because yes. there was all, always that tinge of fuck. I would have been really good at this, but but also he had this incredibly laconic North Queensland fucking yeah mate yeah nah, good kind of tone. But underpinning it all was a massive intelligence about the game. He yeah. was just like, yeah, mate, now what he's trying to fucking do here is... And then he just pick apart entirely the, the bowler's entire bowling plan for the previous over. So he's doing this, 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 and this, this. So the next bowl's going to be this. And he'd absolutely predict what was going to happen next in a way that Warney never fucking did. And I'm not going to bag Warney because he's dead. But mm-hmm. I always wanted that from Warney because I knew he was the smartest man in the fuck, in terms of cricket um, in, in the box. And he was always re- reputed to be. But what I loved about Roy was that he had absolutely no pretensions about him, but he had such a good cricket brain on him. And it was it was always really cool to see that break through. And he could present it in a way that was absolutely accessible to even the most fucking inbred Gronk Australian viewer. And I think that's really that's really gonna be missed from um from the coverage uh, in the next year or so, and I think I really, I really grew to like Roy, and that's not just because as he got older and balder and and more kind of cane toady, he he looked a lot like my Italian relatives, so I'll um I'll miss him. Yeah. Valet Roy, Valet Andrew Simons, forty six is far too fucking young to be dying. Fuck yeah, that's yeah, that just freaks me out a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, it was a it was a stacked his car doing you know driving too fast. Yeah, yeah. What well, it wasn't. <laughs> but it was a preventable. A, a, a sudden illness or something. It, yeah, it was preventable. I mean, he was. If, yeah. Um, and just to pile on the good news, it looks like Leeds are going to get relegated. So 
Yeah, <laughs> that was just one. That was a bridge too far. I was like, "Holy shit!" This is- <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want to fucking think about that. But they, they, they might as well have just kept Bielsa because they, they fucked Bielsa off and replaced him with the guy who they were planning to hire, which is this ex Red Bull Empire dude called Jesse Marsh, who's a, an American. He's come up through the Red Bull system, but he just hasn't. You know, he's he's not a firefighter who can get them out of a relegation stash, but. I suspect what they think is, look, fuck it. We'll just, you know, he can rebuild in the championship. It's not the end of the world. We've got enough money. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And the thing is, they've never they've never built their squad beyond the level that it was in the championship. They've never spent money on bringing in big dollar fucking yeah, they- um, Premier League players. So they have a squad that will be fantastic in the championship because that's about the level of a championship squad. They're like, what's what's the what's the side in the NBA that just like never spends money and never goes anywhere. Uh, well, the like, okay, so like you always, always struggled to actually meet the salary floor, didn't they? It's a little bit yeah. like that. I, I was thinking more. Well, there's like no Indiana, relegation in the NBA. Like Indiana have never been in the luxury tax. I don't think, like ever. Uh, I don't think they've ever paid the luxury tax, and that, and you know, they've they've done all right. They've had some good, you know, some good teams, but it's never felt like they would threaten for the NBA championship because nah. They wouldn't go out and pay, you know, for that three-point shooter that they needed to push them over the edge, or, you know, uh, pay for two extra development coaches to go out and make sure that their picks were maximised. Like it, it just feels like they're a little bit cheap in that way. Who was the last max player to play for Indiana? Do they even have max players at Indiana? Did Paul George get a max while he was there? I don't know whether he did. I mean, he's the only person you could think of. Roy Hibbert? It's been a long time since you felt like Indiana were actually spending a lot of money. Yeah. And even, like, now, like, who's going to, like, Turner's not a max player. No, they um, don't have one. They, they've got a fairly high draft pick, but that's yeah, not going to be a problem Brock, for at least five years. Hall- Halliburton's probably their best Their best. Yeah. (laughs) Good work, fucking Sacramento. Sacramento. Yeah, well done. Sacramento. Good luck, Mike Brown. uh, I just love that they got the fourth pick because that's absolutely a pick that could, you know, they could reach for and it could go catastrophically wrong, which is very. Yeah, but if somebody else fucks up, because I understand there's like those three guys who are really good in in, in this. And if somebody does a Robert Sava. Then they might end up picking up like a Chet Holmgren or, or a Paolo Banchero, which sounds like a sports model of the Canyonero. Um, but the th- there's always the opportunity that someone will fuck up and you can profit from it. But I mean, this is all craps. It's a, it's just a ma- it's just absolute random chance. Well, and I, it all I depends actually, on, on the on the fucking the, the skill of the. I mean, the Warriors picked three last year. They, they've got James uh, James Wiseman. How much fucking basketball has James Wiseman played? How much has he inputted into this championship run for the, for the Dubs? I believe it's well, a donut, I, a very large I, I donut. I think in the last three games or last two games, their draft picks have paid like three minutes combined or something like yeah. that. So, uh, Drafts are fraud. Yeah, and, that, and that's why OKC, being in, they're in that sweet spot because they can, they can have a crack at someone at 12 and they might get a Kawhi or a Paul George or... You know, that 12, 13, 14 range is just primed, prime material where you get someone that's talented enough, but they're picked low enough that they're motivated to become better. You know, they're not. For the- sure. 
that was the thing. Those those we've said before. Those kind of eight to sixteen picks often turn yeah. out better because they tend to go to better set up franchises and they have a chip on their shoulder, and they are you know they're surrounded by better better quality development coaches and they turn out better. That's why we have all these Kawhi's and Jimmy Butler's and so on and so forth. Yeah. All right, Doc. Shall we come back and have a chat about a complicated week in tunes? Every week is complicated, and we are the the mid seed fucking first round pick of NBA uh, podcasts. Uh, that therefore right. didn't really, didn't really work, but you know I might have been drinking. Wouldn't be the Bulls podcast if you didn't. Yeah, this was the Bulls podcast. I wasn't Bezo. He wasn't the Doc. We'll be back next week. See us. Can you name the truck with four wheel drive? Smells like a steak and seats thirty five. Can you narrow? Can you narrow? Well, it goes real slow with a hammer down. It's the country pride truck endorsed by a clown. Canyonero. Canyonero. Hey, hey! The Federal Highway Commission has ruled the Canyonero unsafe for highway or city driving. 